0: Hi, I'm Robin Black and this is Robin Thinks. Um, If you're joining me again after having listened last week I really appreciate it. Um, Last week was my first episode of my very first podcast so it was a little rough. Um, Hopefully it will get better as we go along. I want to go ahead and just jump right into the book today because I'm going to tackle a really trippy topic today uh, and I want to you know have the time to, to spend on that. So um uh, chapter two and his premise is the joy of intimacy is the reward of commitment and this is really one of the lies of this book even though he didn't necessarily realize that it was a lie but this is what I think a lot of people have really been damaged by is this idea that if you just wait and you make a commitment then it automatically results in intimacy and it's just not true Uh, so the chapter starts off with Josh making an appearance on the Bill Maher show so in his interview he says uh the idea is that a lot of the things we do in relationships today are motivated by selfishness we're starting what we can't finish we're pursuing romance when we really aren't interested in commitment and then Bill interrupts and says why does commitment have to be the goal and josh responds what are the other options i asked if it's not commitment is it just for the heck of it and then bill asked what about a man and a woman neither of whom wants commitment what if both of them are just out for fun so that's kind of how he starts out this chapter is with this interview on bill maher so then he tells the story of jamie and troy uh they dated for eight months they were inseparable. And then two months before college, Troy announces he doesn't want to see Jamie anymore. And this is what uh, Josh has to say in the book. Even though physically they'd never gone beyond a kiss, Jamie had completely given her heart and emotions to Troy. Troy had enjoyed the intimacy while it served his needs, but then rejected her when he was ready to move on. Josh seems to recognize that intimacy is not just sex, that there's, that intimacy is something bigger and beyond just the, the physical or a physical relationship because he'll talk about how they didn't have sex but they had intimacy so on some level he grasps that but what's interesting is uh, I want to go back to his story about he and Kelly in the first chapter uh, so if you'll remember Kelly was like his first girlfriend and this is what he said about his relationship with Kelly. Finding ways to spend time together and worrying about the current status of our relationship consumed my energy. Kelly knew me better than anyone else. After my folks were asleep, Kelly and I would spend hours on the phone, often late into the night, talking about everything and nothing in particular. Going back to the second chapter, he says, what's really the point of most dating relationships? And that is a great question. So there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on because here he is. This is what he says. All of us want intimacy. It means being close to someone. He sees and he recognizes and he grasps that intimacy is not just sex. He goes on to say it's being vulnerable, open, and dependent is giving to and receiving from another person the deepest parts of who we are. Our hopes, our fears, our secrets, our affections. An intimate relationship in which we know and are known by another human is one of the most fulfilling and precious parts of life. It's a gift from God. So he gets it. There it is right there. That's in chapter two. He, in chapter two, he seems to understand this. But when we go back to his relationship with Kelly, finding ways to spend time together and worrying about the current status of our relationship consumed my energy. Kelly knew me better than anyone else. After my folks were asleep, Kelly and I would spend hours on the phone, often late into the night, talking about everything and nothing in particular. Do you see the cognitive dissonance there? he recognizes he understands that the purpose of relationships is to be seen and known deeply and intimately by another person and yet and he still doesn't seem to see the cognitive dissonance which is that he he says he states that the purpose of relationships is to be seen and known but but that takes time those hours and hours and hours that he spent on the phone with Kelly pouring out his heart and listening to her pour out her heart that is a point of relationship and that takes time it takes trust it takes time, it takes vulnerability, and it takes time to build the trust that leads to the vulnerability. So this idea that he's like, I, I'm very busy and important and i you know, at 15 years old, I'm very busy and important and I've got other things to do. So here's the problem with this idea that intimacy is a reward for commitment. I'm gonna go out on a limb, I'm gonna guess that most people have had an experience of, meeting someone, you know, in just some kind of random way. You're in this situation in which you're you're kind of like trapped with this person and you end up having this deeply profound conversation that literally changes your life. That is intimacy. That is being seen and known by another person. It has nothing to do with commitment. There are so many people, there are so many married couples that are committed to each other but they they don't know deeply and intimately the person that they are married to um, I have a lot of um, divorced friends I think at this point in time most most people do I am one of these people that gets into these really deep kind of intimate conversations with complete strangers so I've talked to a lot of divorced women and one of the things that I come across again and again and again is, when women are talking about their first husbands or their ex- ex husbands, they'll say things like well he he was a good provider they they did their duty, especially they did their duty as laid out by evangelical Christianity, meaning they went to work, they brought home a paycheck, they put food on the table, they put a roof over the you know their families had they they were a good provider because because this is what our culture and probably Uh, evangelical Christianity in particular teaches men as women and as just as human beings we have much deeper needs than just food on the table and a roof over our heads we long for we hunger for intimacy we want to be seen and known intimacy means into me you see There's, I believe that commitment is a good thing. I really do. I think that we need committed relationships. One of the problems with evangelical Christianity is they spend a lot of time talking about things that really don't matter. And I don't think they really spend enough time talking about things that do matter. They talk a lot about commitment, but they don't necessarily talk a lot about integrity. I believe that integrity in relationships is a lot more important than commitment because you can still have commitment with someone who's basically committing relational fraud relationships are meant to be a fair and even exchange it means not taking more than you are capable or willing to give the the way josh phrases it he says often we're pursuing intimacy for the sake of intimacy Two people getting close to each other without any intention of making a long-term commitment. One of the problems with this idea that every single relationship has to be some kind of long-term commitment or you're just playing with each other is that it it's actually contrary to what the Bible actually has to say. So in Matthew 6, uh, basically 25 through 34, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, here's the problem with this idea that we shouldn't move forward into any type of intimate relationship if we're not willing or capable or able or in a position to make some kind of long-term commitment. We don't know how much time we're going to have. We could be dead tomorrow. We don't know this. So it's not so much about uh, you, you don't start dating until you're ready to get married. The point is you just have to be honest about where you're at in life, what you can and can't give as long as you don't expect more from the other person than you are capable of giving. This is what relational integrity is. When I kind of walked away from church and I finally started feeling the freedom to kind of explore other faith or belief systems, I read this book called If the Buddha Had Dated and it it, it changed my life, it really did. One of the things that it talked about Is being grounded in the moment, in in enjoying the moment and savoring what, not being so worried about, you know, what's coming down. We're so worried about what's next, what's next, what's next, that that we don't savor and enjoy and appreciate right now. So one of the kind of principles or elements of this book is just enjoying the moments of your relationship because you don't know how long it's going to last. So I think a lot of people now have had this experience of, you know, you go on a date And the whole time you're on the date, the other person is like buried in their phone or they're so busy taking pictures and posing for Instagram. It's like they're not there. They're not present. And this is the thing. You can't have intimacy with someone who's not actually present. So one of the big principles of Buddhism is presence of being of literally being there. So going back to the book. Um, Josh Harris, he has a really good analogy here. He says, deepening intimacy without defining a level of commitment is dangerous. It's like going mountain climbing with a partner who isn't sure she wants the responsibility of holding your rope. When you've climbed 2000 feet up a mountain face, you don't want to have a conversation about how she feels tied down by your relationship in the same way many people experience deep hurt when they open themselves up emotionally and physically only to be abandoned by someone who proclaims he's not ready for a quote-unquote serious commitment an intimate relationship is a beautiful experience that God wants us to enjoy after all he stated that it wasn't good for a man to be alone and created the woman to perfectly compliment him and help him okay I'm going to get to that the whole concept of Eve as a helpmate in just a minute. But I want to talk about this. So he he's he's right about one thing and kind of wrong in another. He's he actually has it right that you don't want to be more committed to someone else than they are to you. And this is where relational integrity comes from and this is where open communication comes from. It it is actually very important to kind of consistently be I don't necessarily know that I like the term defining the relationship per se. You can you can go too far in one direction or the other. And one of the things you always have to remember is that you know what what is very committed to me might be very little commitment to you. So when you're defining the relationship, you also have to actually define the terms by which you're defining that relationship. This is why communication is so important and sort of, hey, this is where I'm at and, and this is where I kind of see things going and this is kind of what I want. And I just want to sort of check in and and kind of make sure that we're on the same page. I'm going to be really honest. This is something that I struggle with. I'm an introvert. I'm very transparent. I'm very open. I, I will just like put it all out there. I don't have a problem with that. But one of the things that I've definitely learned is other people are not as comfortable with openness and honesty as I am. When you're open and honest with another person, it... It's like when you give a gift to someone, it kind of puts pressure on them to give something back. I can't speak for men. I know women are, I know for a fact women are guilty of this. We are very guilty of giving more and more and more and more in relationships in hopes that it will sort of force the other person to give more back to us. First of all, it doesn't work. And second of all, it shows extremely poor integrity. It is a really bad relational tactic okay so I want to go back and I want to talk about the way that evangelical Christianity seems to translate that Eve was created for Adam as a helpmate is some combination of cook mistress house cleaner and nanny to his children I don't think any of those things are true I think that Eve was created for Adam as more like a chess partner, almost an opponent. And the reason for that is, you know, the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron. So I don't think that Eve was created to be his right hand or his lieutenant, but his co-captain. There, In evangelical Christianity, I don't know if they still say this, I kind of grew up with this phrase, uh, God made Adam and Eve, God didn't make Adam and Steve. And the reason they say that is, of course, a command against homosexuality or against same-sex, same-gender relationships. But what's interesting to me is they don't seem to see that God did make Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And what that means to me is that uh, when God decided that Adam needed companionship, God gave Adam a woman, not a bro, God didn't give Adam a buddy to go hang at the pub with. He gave Adam someone who was his opposite, someone that he would literally have conflict with because conflict is what helps us grow. There's this idea that relationships should never have conflict we talk about um oh i just don't want a new drama well usually the drama comes because relationships are going to have conflicts the whole point of relationships is you have two people in them that have that have needs wants desires and in many cases those needs wants and desires are opposite of each other right you want to go out and party i want to go to bed you want to watch football i want to watch jane austen opposites attract and this is why is because we can't grow if we're around people that are exactly like us it's only when we become exposed to differences that it forces us to kind of rethink our worldview and on that note I also want to talk about same gender relationships okay one of the things that I think it's it's really important to understand is that our bodies are basically just bags of dirt that hold our soul The Bible talks about how God made a bag of dirt into which God breathed a soul. God looks at what's on the inside. I don't think bodies matter to God. I think bodies matter to man. I think that when God looks at human beings, what God sees is a soul. So having said that I think that sex is the combining not just of two bodies but of two hearts two souls and I think that we diminish it or demean it when we commodify it. When animals have sex they they rut that's all they do there's there's no like soul involved okay. Human beings are not animals so to me when one human being simply uses another human being to satiate their lust i would personally call that bestiality and i think that that is uh, we talk a lot about an angry god and i don't think we talk enough about a god that grieves but i think that when two human beings sort of go through the motions of sex they're just sort of scratching an itch they don't have a connection there's no love involved there's no Emotion. There's. I I don't think God's angry about that. I think He grieves that. Uh, To me, it's like God is sitting up there going, "I gave you this incredible, amazing. I want you to be known. I want you to have deep intimacy with each other, and I want this to be an expression of deep intimacy." And I think He grieves and weeps and mourns. Um, the Bible talks about a God that sings over her children. And of course they say his, um, I don't think that God is a him or a her. Um, I think God is a, a spirit, a force, a power. Um, so I think it, but I, I think it's actually destructive and detrimental to both men and women that we constantly refer to God in the he. So sometimes I use he, sometimes I use she, sometimes I use they, them. Um, but The Bible talks about a God that sings over her children and so I just I don't believe in this one-dimensional angry God that just runs around getting angry about everything. I think that God has given us this amazing tremendous gift. I don't think that the body parts that are involved in um, receiving this gift I don't think those matter. But I think that the manner in which we engage in this gift, I think that does matter. I'm going to guess that most people have had this experience of having sex with another person and like shutting down. Like you're not there. You're not present. When people try to engage in this um, impersonal sex, it doesn't fill the hunger. The hunger that we have is for intimacy. Intimacy. And sex is not, in and of itself, intimacy. Intimacy means, into me, you see. There are 167 hours in a week. So if you just spent 10% of your time having sex, that would be 17 hours a week, or about three hours a day, okay? Nobody has that much sex, nobody. If you spent 1% of your time having sex, that's still almost two hours a week, which I think is probably far more realistic of most married couples. So this this idea that we get so up in arms about the body parts like that are allowed to be married, at best, sex accounts for maybe 1% of our relationship, and that's in couples that actually have a healthy, active sex life. It's estimated that as many as 20% of all marital relationships or couples are non-sexual. It's so crazy and ridiculous like how much energy we put into fighting and arguing over who's supposed to be having sex, who's supposed to be allowed to be married. And I think that's kind of by design because if cisgendered heterosexuals spend all their time arguing and raging about you know homosexuality or, or transgenderism or blah blah blah, then you know, that's great because then they don't actually have time to look at their own racism or their own failings. So going back to the book, he says, there's many different kinds of intimate relationships in life. Bam, there you go. Complete truth right there. Okay, but move, moving on. We can be intimate with a friend, with a family member, with a co-worker, but the deepest, most meaningful of intimate relationships outside of a Christian's relationship with God is the one between a husband and a wife who share not only their hearts, but also their bodies in sexual intimacy. Two people who know each other in a profound way. Okay, here again, this is where the... What he's saying is the relationship between a husband and a wife who share not only their hearts but also their bodies in sexual intimacy is the highest form of intimacy. It's really not. Because once again, if, if you have a healthy sex life, it is probably taking up about 1% of your life. So we put this 1% on this massively high pedestal When it's really kind of the other 99% that counts is there's all kinds of married couples that don't actually have intimacy. Because once again, so many men go into marriage of, it's my job, I have to be the provider, I gotta have a good job, I gotta put food on the table. And that's what they do. And they're great at that. Guess what? That does not create intimacy. Going back to Kelly, what did he say about Kelly? Kelly knew me better than anyone else after my folks were asleep kelly and i would spend hours on the phone often late into the night talking about everything and nothing in particular that is intimacy he already had an intimate relationship with kelly and what did he do he broke up with kelly why did he break up with kelly because his intimate relationship with kelly was taking up too much of his time So do you see how this is a really bad foundation for marriage? You have an intimate relationship, but you resent it because it takes up too much of your time. So you're going to break up with Kelly and then you're not going to date until you get married. And then you just believe that because you are making this commitment, somehow it's going to result in intimacy. But then you have to question, what exactly are you committing to? I mean, you're committing your life, but are you really committing your time? Because when Kelly asked for your time, all those hours that you spent talking on the phone, you seemed to resent it. So now you're going to make this marriage commitment. But are you actually going to commit your time and your heart and your energy to your wife? Or are you just committing that you're going to put food on the table and a roof over her head? Because I can tell you right now. That's not gonna work, uh there's a the great show I don't know if many people are uh familiar with the marvelous the marvelous Mrs. Mazel, but there's this great scene where she gets married, and every night she waits until Joel that's her husband Joel. She waits until Joel is asleep and then she jumps up and she runs the bathroom, she takes off all of her makeup, and she you know gets ready for bed. And then she goes and gets in bed and then she wakes up, she sets her alarm and she wakes up like a half an hour before he wakes up. She runs back in the bathroom. She takes the curlers out of her hair. She puts on makeup. She puts on perfume. She gets all basically like dolled up and then she runs and gets back in bed so that when he wakes up, she's all like Miss Perfect again. Okay, that's not a real relationship. That is. It's lying. It's lying to someone about who you are and what you do. And so needless to say, their marriage didn't work out. What a shocker. But then what's interesting is, um, you know, later on, they, they're they going through a divorce, but they sort of briefly get back together and they have sex and he wakes up and, you know, she just she's just her. She, she goes to bed as her, however she is, you know, makeup, whatever. Um, and when he wakes up, it's just her. She didn't wake up early and go perfect herself to get back in bed. That's a real relationship, okay? That is intimacy. Intimacy does not happen when you're trying to convince this other person that you're perfect or you're showing this other person your perfection. And this is what happens in too many relationships. Once we've sort of created this lie of who who we are or how we are, then we live in terror of them finding out that we don't look like this or we don't like whatever it is. Relationships require honesty and trust intimacy comes from honesty and trust intimacy is when someone you know sees you at your worst they see your imperfections it's not showing someone the perfection of who we are It's showing someone the imperfection of who we are josh says you might say that intimacy between a man and a woman is the icing on the cake of a relationship headed towards marriage okay no we can literally have intimacy with anyone and marriage intimacy is not automatically or inherently greater and it doesn't become greater just simply by making a commitment um a lot of times what happens in in married relationships is and and this isn't always bad this isn't bad for a season or for a time it's when it goes on for years and years and years one person gets involved in something outside of their marriage. I think this is a big part of why Paul says there's nothing wrong with being married, but it's better to be single because if you're single, you have all the energy to invest in all these other things. You can, you know, start your businesses, run for office, do all your things. You don't have to divide your attention between your relationship with your spouse and your your things you want to do. When you're married, you have to invest a significant amount of your time and your energy in your relationships, maintaining your relationships, and that becomes even more so when you have kids. So too many people, they want to have it all. They want to, you know, build a, I don't know, multi-million dollar company and have a wife and have kids. And you can't have it all, but you can't have it all at once. So getting married or making a commitment to someone, number one, that doesn't create intimacy. Intimacy is not sex and sex is not inherently intimate. So Joshua says that intimacy between a man and a woman is the icing on the cake of a relationship headed towards marriage. And I would say that intimacy is the cake. Sex is the icing on the cake. Then he goes on and he says, if we look at intimacy that way, then it becomes obvious that most of our dating relationships are all icing. They usually lack a purpose or a clear destination. In most cases, especially when you're younger, dating is short-term, serving the needs of the moment. We date because we want to enjoy the emotional and physical benefits of intimacy without the responsibility of real commitment. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, What I would say, however, is that's not really a problem. Because once again, we have to look at what is the purpose of dating. And as I said last week, dating is relational practice yes when you are young you're experimenting you're exploring you're learning how to manage all these new emotes you're just flooded with all these new emotions your brain is pumping out hormones and neurochemicals and just all these things that you have to learn how to deal with and manage and that is what like teen relationships are for Uh, after last week's podcast a friend of mine texted me something that was like really profound when I when I was talking about, um, you know, David and Annie are at the altar and, you know, Annie says, I, I thought your heart was mine. And David says, oh, I gave, you know, pieces of my heart, but, you know, what I have left is yours. And, and my friend texted me and she said, I'm glad I gave those pieces of my heart away because I also took pieces of other hearts that filled those spaces and made me who I am. When we get so caught up in the future, the long term future, there's nothing wrong with long term commitments. There's nothing wrong with reaching a point where you start to realize, "Hey, this is a person that I might actually want to make a long term commitment with." Okay? But there's also nothing wrong with, you know, being intimate with a person with whom you don't have a long-term commitment. The problem is, once again, when there is an imbalance, when one person starts to become more emotionally invested or more invested in any way than the other person. And once again, this is about uh, communication and setting boundaries. So I have a tendency to get over invested in relationships and I, I think that's kind of common in women. And what we have to learn or people that do have a tendency to get over invested in relationships, we have to learn how to back off and only invest as much as the other person is willing to invest. Sometimes we move too fast and we have to back off and give the other person time. Um, Sometimes the other person is moving too fast or moves too fast and they get over invested and we're not interested in matching their investment and that is usually where the harm and the damage comes. It doesn't come from having casual relationships. You can have casual relationships as long as you're both on the same page, but that's also where honesty comes in because we, I think by now we've all seen this happen where one person is lying and they say, I'm okay just being friends. I'm okay with what you have to offer and it's not actually true. So relational integrity demands honesty. It demands honesty with yourself and it demands honesty with the other person. Marriage or dating relationships, those are not the only intimate relationships that we have and it's actually really important to establish other intimate relationships. Here's why. We all know that it's not a good idea to go to the grocery store when you're really hungry, right? What that means is we can have deeply intimate relationships with friends. This is why it's so important to understand that sex is not intimacy, uh, nor does sex automatically create intimacy. You can have intimate relationships that are not sexual. And I think those intimate relationships that are not sexual are extremely important because I think they help protect us when we're moving into intimate relationships. In other words, if your needs for intimacy are largely met elsewhere, you're not going to be needy and desperate. When you go to the grocery store and you're hungry or you're starving, you make really bad food choices. When you go to the grocery store and you're not hungry at that moment, you you fill your cart with ingredients instead of pre-made, ready-made food. Uh, The same thing is true in relationships. When you have intimate relationships that are not romantically based, they help protect you Uh, from getting in too deep or too too quickly in your romantic relationships. Your intimate non-romantic relationships anchor you and help you engage in intimate romantic relationships more safely. This is also a big problem in couples is that very often there's an expectation that a woman, their wife, their girlfriend, their partner, whoever, will meet all of their emotional needs. That is really unhealthy for relationships, period. I think women have a greater propensity for having intimate relationships outside of our romantic relationships because we have girlfriends. We do things with our female friends and we have, I think we have relationships in which we can be honest with our female friends. We expose the reality of who we are. That is what intimacy is. I have concerns about gay relationships because even gay men grow up in patriarchy and the problem with patriarchy is that intimacy requires vulnerability and patriarchy teaches that men have to be tough and strong and invulnerable. So heterosexual relationships generally occur between a man who's grown up, usually in patriarchy, especially if he's American, and a girl who's grown up being more encouraged to explore emotionally. So we tend to be the leaders when it comes to emotions in relationships. Men, on the other hand, very often do not know how to connect emotionally. That's something they literally have to learn. And usually the way that they learn how to do that is in a relationship with a woman who has been raised learning how to connect with her own emotions my concern is when you get two men that have been raised in patriarchy i I don't know how they connect emotionally i have concerns that they don't or they won't connect emotionally again that's certainly not saying there's anything bad or wrong with gay relationships it's simply saying i think there's an additional challenge when two men mate that being said Lots of people get married for a lot of really bad reasons. And this is also where when you have these intimate relationships that are not romantic, they tend to prepare you better for intimate romantic relationships. I think they help ground you more and they help you, they help keep you from making really bad decisions. There's so many women and and maybe men, I can't speak to men, but I know for sure for women, there's so many women that get married for, Very, very, very wrong reasons. Um, They get married because all of their friends are married or getting married. They get married because they've spent their life planning their dream wedding and they want to have their big day. They want to like hurry up. They've dreamed and dreamed and dreamed and dreamed of this day. They finally found someone more or less suitable and they want to get to their, their big day that they've dreamed of for so long. In some cases, they buy the lie that marriage is automatically going to bring them the intimacy that they are craving. It doesn't. This is why this purity culture is so detrimental because it just says, just hang on till you're married. Everything will be good when you're married. And then they get married and it's not true. So it's very important to, to understand that sex is not intimacy. A romantic partner is not the only person that you can be intimate with. And intimate relationships apart from romantic relationships are critically important. Sometimes people get married because they have controlling parents and they want to get out from under their controlling parents. And that's particularly dangerous in patriarchal culture because usually what happens is you get out from under the thumb of your father only to find you're under the thumb of your husband. So that is not a good reason for getting married. And then last but not least, obviously they believe it's the only way they are allowed to have sex. None of these are good reasons for getting married and everyone's path is going to be a little bit different. I want to go back to something that josh wrote in chapter one i think this is literally the most important thing to focus on remember or keep in mind he said there's no biblical command not to date this is an area that we each need to evaluate in light of our own maturity our motive and the other person involved the decision requires wisdom and i think That right there, that's the key in a nutshell. The right thing to do is not going to be the same for any two people or any two couples. There are some people that for their own reasons and simply because they want to, maybe they do actually want to wait until they get married to have sex. That's fine. When, If that's their, their genuine, honest desire, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Other people just develop faster or mature faster, or you know, they might be ready for a sexual relationship, but they might not be ready for marriage. But that's not for anyone else to decide. It's not anyone else's right to say, um, well, I think this is the right thing to do, so you have to do it. There's nothing wrong with saying, I feel like this is a wiser approach or a wiser way of dealing with things. Again, wisdom is key. We need to talk about how do we approach these decisions with wisdom? I think that healthy relationships are characterized by the fruit of the spirit, which is love, peace, patience, joy, kindness, um, self-control. And the Bible says that, that when relationships are characterized by the fruit of the spirit there is no law against these things this is why i don't think that that genders or body parts matter i think what matters is are you applying the principles of love joy peace patience kindness discipline self-control to your relationship regardless of the body parts involved when your relationship is characterized by those traits or those qualities, I believe it is blessed. That is the only thing that matters. So um, I'm going to go ahead and stop there. Um, on Wednesday night, I'm going to have another uh, discussion on Twitter Spaces. And I'd love to talk to some people about this and maybe their experiences or you know how they feel about relationships. So Monday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time on Twitter Spaces. I hope to see you there.